You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares from the wellsprings of Jewish spiritual teaching and practice and guides us on a path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine. Hashem, I want to share like a kind of frame, Mikrat Pesach, that that really touches on the kind of work we've been doing together and and I believe offers a certain vision of what not only Sipur Yitzhiyam time offers us, but the experience of Vel uh, HaSeder is about at its core and Bichlau, the kind of redemptive stream that we're stepping into. Um, you can pa- Here's the thing with the sheets. I'm not gonna, we're not going to be doing deep text analysis here. I'm going to be telling a story. And I brought the sheets for reference if people want to have that. And uh, it won't be super necessary to follow along at most points. Um, I'm going to start outside and just say that a lot of what we've touched on together and, and even focused on in, in some of our just orientation is the idea of makom. When we come in and we, we want to just draw ourselves into a place of presence, we continue the avodah of the Hasidim Rishonim, the Chavenet Libenu Lamakom. And I'll share something in here too. This is going to be like a chap- title, chapter heading, and that will kind of flesh out, I believe, and maybe just interact with a little more in the, in the story we're going to be reading together. Um, the, the Arizal Bichlal in, in Torah and Kabbalah, you have a lot of different ways of analyzing or interpreting the ways letters interact, the ways numbers interact, the ways gematriot interact. And this in, in the Kitveari and in other Kabbalists, this becomes extremely um, relevant when it comes to names of God. And without going into the theory behind it or what have you, there's a beautiful, what appears to me to be a beautiful idea, is that the Makom we know is a name for God. Right? As Chazal says, God is the place of, of the world. All existence, all experience is occurring within God, the basic reality that everything occurs within. So the Arizal says that the Makom is, the name Makom is a gematria of Yudke Vavke colliding with Yudke Vavke. I'm using the word colliding with. The word in, in, uh, in the Ketavim is Haka'a, a Haka'a, an encounter. And what does that mean? It means that if you take all the letters of for the four letters of God's name and multiply each one by itself, so yud multiplied by yud, hey multiplied by hey, vav multiplied by hey, you you end up with the number 186, which is the gematria of makom. Okay, so alpanav, as the piece that always tells us, you can you can learn all the kabbalah in the world, and it could be mathematical equations, <laughs> and then it's nothing, right? But what, what, what hit me very profoundly is that there might be a remise in this, that the expansiveness of space, the dimensional reality, what, what creates dimensional reality, what creates space, is God interacting with God. Is Yudke Vavke encountering Yudke Vavke? 
some of us heard the poem about the two fat men bumping into each other. God bumping into God. That confrontation between God and and within God's own being, between God and God, opens into dimension, opens into spaciousness, opens into reality that all of us have space within. And maybe even more so, not only have space within, but that is what we experience, what we, all that we experience within Makom is Yudke Vavke confronting and encountering Yudke Vavke. I'll tell you it in the words of the Baal Shem Tov that the, the Pizestin brings all the time, which is, I never understood really, because you can't understand these words intellectually, that I think that there can be moments of experience and tasting that Pizestin loves to quote this. The Baal Shem Tov says, when you look at the world, when you look upon the world, you are looking at God and God is looking back at you. So, that is a very expansive, powerful kind of spiritual frame to contemplate for the rest of our lives, perhaps, and beyond. Um, but for me, where I want to take it is into um, Chag Pesach, into the story of um, the Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim and also the act of Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim, which is what we do at Lev Okay. If we read just the Pshat of Sefer Shemot, one very strong thread throughout the whole story, well, let me ask it this way. Why did Paro make B'nai Yisrael slaves? They were having so many children. Right, so Paro said, oh, there's so many of them. There's so many of them, they're going to overcome us in one way or another. So what was Paro's first act of violent response? Kill the babies. It hurts me to even say those words, but that's what he, that was his response. Throw the children into the Nile. Okay, if it's a sun. Okay, they're more threatening. Whatever. I'm going to read you some of the language there. I'm in, I'm in Shemot Aleph, Pasuk Ted Zayin. Towards the bottom of the page of Ayomer. Ayomer, this is Melech um, Mitzrayim commanding the two um, Israelite midwives, Pua and Shifra. When you are midwifing the uh, mothers, the Hebrew mothers, and you see on the birthing stone, if it is a son, kill him. And if it's a daughter, let her live. And the midwives, Standard way to translate that, they had fear of God. And later on, it says, since they had, they had Yerat Hashem, and so God gave them Batim. But I want to take it a little deeper. Fear of God is the sense of seeing God. 
And if we look at what Paro was telling them, Paro says to them, when you bring the children into the world, Uri'iten al-Havanim. What do you see there? If you see a boy, kill it. If you see a girl, get it is. The midwives, they saw God. They didn't see gender. They didn't see a boy <laughs> kill a girl, live. Exactly. Exactly. They saw, when these children were born, they saw God. They were not going to do what Paro told them to do. This is the beginning of what I what I believe is a, a theme that spreads itself throughout the Sipuriyat time, which has to do with vision, which has to do with vision. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of read a little more, dance a little more through the, the story to see <laughs> how, this, how this comes across. Um, I'll, I'll add one more piece, which is that, again, in the Kabbalah of the Ari, the Paro is the, the letter is Ha'oref. Paro is the backside of the head. And just think for a moment, if Paro is basically waging war against children, and the beginnings of redemptive energy are from those who are willing to look at the children and see God's emergent activity in the world and refuse to give in to that counter battle, Paro is turning his back on the babies. And the midwives are seeing them. <laughs> are seeing them. Paro is saying, I'm not going to look. I'm looking away from these children being born. I'm looking away in fear. I'm looking away in protection. I'm looking away. I'm simply looking away, and they are refusing to look away. They're not the only ones, okay? Um, We continue in the story, so we get we continue with the story. Basically, the next two psukim, the children are being born. The miladot are refusing to look away; they're refusing to kill them. God does good by them. Then Paro ends up responding in his own way. Fine, I'm in Parakbet. Comes along a man from the house of Levi, marries a woman from Levi, and they have a child. Look at these look at these words. Vataharaisha pasukbet. Vateled ben. She preg- becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son. Vatereoto. Kitofi. She sees him. Again. She sees him. She sees her child. She sees Kitovu. Kitov, which is that language of the way God sees. Vayar Elohim. Kitov. Right? This is, this is the way God sees the world as in the process of creation the kitov of, of all that I've created. She's seeing the, her child in the same way through these godly eyes. So what does she do? She says, okay, I have this child. I need to protect him. She couldn't protect him anymore. She puts him in the teva. She sends him off. She and his sister comes along to, to know what's going to happen to him. I'm in Pasukei now, a few lines down. Comes Baparo to the Nile with her maidens with her. She also sees something. She's also someone who knows how to look and how to see. What she sees right now is simply a teva floating in the water. She sticks out her hand to, pull, to draw it in. She opens it. 
and she sees him, the child. She sees this child, she sees his tears, and she has compassion for him. So again, we have a parent who sees her child. Another becomes adoptive parent who sees a child, yeah, and saves him and has compassion for him and raises him. And come with me, let's see what happens to that child. Come down to Pasuk Tet, sorry, Pasuk Yud, in the middle of the page. Okay, she names him Yudalef. No, yes, Yudalef. What happens to Moshe? It happens in those days. Vayigdal Moshe, he grows up. He goes out to his brothers and he sees their suffering. etc. And he responds. Oh, so there's a campaign to not look at these children. There's a campaign to kill these children being born. By the way, the the gruesome way in which Paro carried this out is throwing them in denial. He's basically saying, let's make them disappear. Let's make it seem like they never existed in the first place. The power of looking away, of making something not exist. And there are a few people who are not willing to turn away. It starts with the midwives. They see children. They see God in these children. They will not look away. There's a mother who sees her child, Kitofu. There's another woman who has chamla, who has intense compassion, and she sees a child, and she sees his tears. And what does that child do when he grows up? He goes out and he sees the suffering of his brothers and sisters. The one who is seen goes out and sees. There's another layer to this, which I don't want to get into so deeply, but, but there's also an erasure of names that happens from the beginning of Shemot. These are the names, and then there's no names, and there's multitudes, and anonymity, and again, erasure of identity. And then finally there's, oh, there's one son, and we see him, and then he gets a name. Shifra and Pua have names too. The only people so far with names are the midwives who see God, and the child who is seen in this godly way. And, and has, is cared for and given compassion. And that child grows up and he goes out and he can see too. He's carrying that vision. Yeah, he even looks all around, right? <laughs> he hits the Mitzvah, Vayifen, Kov, Enish. He sees when there isn't someone around also. Anyway, Moshe's going around looking. His eyes are open. His eyes are open. And, and, and I want to suggest here, because he has been, from the moment he was born, had the experience of having eyes, open eyes on him too. He's been seen. So he can see too. He has the courage and gift to be able to look at, at, at the world around him and to others. I'm going to jump ahead now. We have the story of Moshe running away, getting to Yitro. Come with me to... Kaf Gimel, Pasuk Kaf Gimel over here. 
ויהי בימים ההם, הרבים ההם, וימד מלך מצרים, the king dies, בני ישראל start to sigh, and their tears and their cries go up to God. And now we're going to read these psukim that we, we evoke again in the Haggadah. Vayishmalu himena katam, God hears them. Vayizkor lehimit brito, remembers the covenant of Abraham, et Yitzchak, et Yaakov. Vayar Elohim et B'nai Yisrael. God sees B'nai Yisrael. Vayeda Elohim, and God knows. But do you see what's restored here? It's, it's as if to say God wasn't seeing them before. They were buried under some deep veil of, of exile, of avodah, of suffering that they could not even be seen. There was no vision happening. And the beginning of the redemptive process is oh, something opens God's eyes up again. Now, I, I don't mean this in some objective way, but the, the turning of God back towards them, the 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 seeing, re-enters. They made themselves seeable by mm-hmm. the gamre, to be able to cry out there, like you're saying, seems to be what what would make themselves seeable again. I am not merely. My reality isn't only this back-breaking work. And life that just leads me to, de- to death. There's something else that I'm yearning for, wanting, perhaps remembering, perhaps hoping for, that causes me to scream and cry. And now, oh, now I can see you. Or if we go back to that original model of makom, what brings something out into space? Right? If something doesn't have space, it can't be seen. The screams give them their space. The screams bring them back into reality. They were living in that erased reality. There weren't any people there to be seen, to be heard, to be remembered, to be redeemed. The exile was definitive for those few hundred years. And the screams are, again, that beginning of wait. God is seeing God again. Existence is beginning to claim its place again. The ability to notice that I do exist, that I have a right to exist, that I, right here, have pain. The feeling of pain and the expression of pain is is an eye-opening experience. There's a re-entry into existence out of a place of being basically vanquished and removed, erased, disappeared. And the next thing that happens is that Moshe is walking in the desert. And in Parakimo Pasuk Bena, an angel appears to him, and Moshe is seeing and he goes on and what am I looking at? What am I looking at? What am I looking at? And God sees that Moshe is seeing. And then they begin to speak. And come see, come with me down to, to Pasuk Zayin now. 
What does God say to Moshe? What does God speak from within this bush? Vayomer Hashem ra'o ra'iti et oni ami asher b'mitzrayim. Ra'o ra'iti et ani ami asher b'mitzrayim. I have seen and seen. I have seen a vision. I have doubly seen the oppression and suffering of my people in Mitzrayim. And I hear their cries, and I know their pain, and I'm going to go redeem them. Again, the, the, the opening to the redemptive process is the scene. In this story, the exile is being in a place where we are unseen, where not only does nobody see us, but we don't see ourselves. Where the children, in particular, are, are unseen. The beginning of redemption comes through the child who is seen, and who then continues to see and carry that vision onto the people around him. Until ultimately there's people who can cry out and scream their pain because, like you said, they're, they're seeable again. They've become visible. And God sees them now. And now we can, now we can begin to talk about, oh, now that you see yourself, now that you can be seen, now that you're in a position to be seen by, by me, I'm ready, you're ready to, to emerge, to, to begin to live. To be this so enhances a teaching from Aviva Zarenberg that I heard several years ago when she, when um, it says "v'yanchu and nakatam," she said that it's so primal. It wasn't where they were speaking; mm-hmm. it's the primal, like a like when you step on an animal and squeals. Not be just put it together from her psychological viewpoint mm-hmm. and the spiritual point. Not being able to be seen by even ourselves is the denial of such a primal need. All we can do is just... There are no words that can articulate Mm -hmm. how far we are, Mm -hmm. how we're disappearing, Mm -hmm. and the pain that brings. You just added a whole other dimension to her teaching. And... It seems to me that what preceded the groans, the primal groans, was muted silence, was an inability to even squeal, not even be in touch with the basic fact that I'm alive. Just one final thought, we can do whatever we do with it, but just the ro'o ra'iti and smacking into Hashem, smacking into Hashem, mm. echoes to, in my mind, beautiful thing against itself. Mm. That, yeah. Uh, all these, developing, but, all these energies of, of self, of encountering, like a mirroring of encounter. And it's like doubling, reverberating off each other. It's just so amazing. All of this is like, this was my experience on retreat. Like what we're talking about also is like, mm. you know, like turning to yeah. see like, well, what's happening here. Yeah. And turning with with the ability to see and with love yes. to accept whatever is seen. So yeah. that what is being seen can really
actually stand there mm. and it'll show you. Mm. And then in turn seeing like seeing and being seen by yourself. And and you know, whether it's walking practice, like seeing the idea of seeing, slowing down to see. Um it's really mm. it's just incredible. And and that it births a freedom in you, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, yes. it, 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 that is what happens yeah. when we allow ourselves to see and be seen. Yeah, I'll add on that. You know, Yiska, you mentioned before, Der Chagav, the Ali um, Regal. There, there, was, there was something at the Ali Regal called the Olatu Iyah which is the offering of vision. And you know these psukim, we say them in Musaf, we read them every Chag, Shalosh Panim Bashana, Yerae Kofrocha Epne Hashem, Chagamator, Velo Yerupne, Nakam, Ishkmani Okay. The Olat Riyah is basically stand before God and be seen. Oh my gosh, this just gives a whole It's the collection <laughs> of the nation to stand and be seen oh, before God. <laughs> and, 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 and what Chazal says is, I'm sorry to start in Jerusalem, you want to hear it, but I just... What Chazal says is, In the way that you come to see, so too are you seen. So again, the mirroring. The mirroring. And, 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 and I think part of what this adds to us, the lens that it adds is, it's not merely, there is God out there looking at me. That itself is extremely powerful. That itself is redemptive. But for it to be a kind of redemption where I have kiyum, where I have existence, where I am living in the fullness, my vision is part of that too. My seeing is part of that too. We have a mutual meeting of vision, of seeing. I'm coming to see you see me. Or perhaps... In experiencing you see me, in the experience of being seen by God, that is how I see God. Perhaps. Right? <laughs> the feeling, the feeling of really being seen before God, that is a vision of God. That is where I experience God in the most profound way. That is, is also an experience of self. That's not I'm not merely this object. God is this object that sees me as a subject. It's the, it's the emergence of myself that comes through being seen. That quality of self is, is, is seeing my godliness. Is seeing God's eyes, seeing God through that experience. Right? Rav said, when you look at the world, you're looking at God and God is looking at you. It's, a, it's an experience of that within oneself. And we actually, specifically for Pesach, have a mitzvah to do this. Because we say every year at the Seder, and then the Rambam rings the halacha in his own wording, we don't say it in the Rambam's way. Chodor we need what, what we are the, 
that word chayav is very powerful. It's an obligation. As if to say, there's no other way to do this. There is no other way in here or forward than to see yourself. And to see yourself ki'ilu which opanav, as if, as if you yourself had left from Egypt. Now we can go in a lot of ways with those words. With your permission, I'd like to read something from the Pizetner on those words themselves. Yes? This is a, a small keta from Derech HaMelech, which, oddly enough, is found in the Drashot of Sukkot. It's on the back, the total backside. You didn't have it? No, no, I oh, Okay. The total backside. Uh, so, it's, it's, oddly enough, it's found in the Drashot of Sukkot, in the Ushpizen of Yitzchak Avinu. I'm not gonna, it's a, it's a longer drasha. I'll give like a, a very basic framing of what the Rebbe's talking about there is that he's, he's describing the process of ha'alat mitzotzot, of, of collecting and raising the sparks and the portions of self, those fractured parts of self. And the way he describes it, he says, from the beginning, from the creation of Adam HaRishon, from eating from the tree, all of the sparks of that singular self are dispersed throughout the entire universe, throughout all existence and all reality and all being. And all subsequent Adam, all other human beings, have our portion of that fractured self that we are here to reintegrate, re- revitalize. But then the Rebbe says it like this. He says, so those sparks on the one hand were spread throughout the four corners of the earth, on every makom, so to speak. However, he says there's two ways to go about it. So you, you might have to experience life that you're traveling and wandering the world in order to encounter all these parts of yourself. All of these journeys, physical and perhaps otherwise, to go and recover those parts of self. That's a very real experience. However, the Rebbe says there's another way, which is to include the world in yourself. And if you become all of all of the world in one place, so you can you can you can integrate your nitzotzot where you are. And this is connected to Yitzchak Avinu, because Yitzchak is the only one of the Avot who never left Eretz Yisrael. Yeah. Okay. So that's the Al Regal Echad version. Rebbe says if you have Emuna, you don't have to go anywhere. Right. Says if you have, and, and he also says that if you if you have a a journey offered to you, you should take it yeah. because otherwise you might have to get dragged there against your will. <laughs> So listen to listen to what the Rebbe says. Lachen kol ishihudi tzarich lahargish ba'atzmov livchon. So so here the Rebbe is saying if if I am there, if myself is there, if my etzem is here in a whole way, so I can do that process of integrating, raising, collecting, becoming more whole with all of those disjointed parts. So lachen kol ishihudi tzarich lahargish ba'atzmov. We all need to feel feel develop the sensitivity within v'livchon at atzmov and. And check it out. Tamid. Always. Imunim tzakva. Am I here yet? <laughs> Not in the sense, are we there yet? When it, but am I already here? Imunim tzakva. Am I now in a state of being present? Am I here? Being present. Yeah. Am I really here? Am I really here? Vaz yuchal acharkach liyot mivchinat zachayatir. He's now he's referring to the to the, the Zohar that speaks about being able to absorb and integrate within us um, more expansive portions of soul and self. 
if I am truly here, so now I have I can be zacha yatir. I can I can I can receive a larger portion, a more expansive per, portion of self of myself. And so long that the nefesh is not in its wholeness, we are not able to receive more expansive elements and, and, and parts of ourself. This is, by the way, consistent with the Zohar that speaks about once you fill out one portion of soul, you're able to receive a greater one. Which always kind of rubbed me the wrong. It's like, what do you mean? Isn't it all there? And, and yes, so the Rebbe's kind of parsing it out. Yes, it is all there. And we go through stages of filling out. So now let's know what the Rebbe says. Ukmo shenir mazba hagada. This is what is hinted to in the hagada. Chayav adam lirot et atzmo kilu hu yatsa mimitzrayim. Person needs to see themselves as if they left Mitzrayim. Shitzarich lirot et atzmo. What does it mean? Stop the sentence there. Am I here? Am I here? Because if I am, sorry, sorry, because if I have already emerged, come into presence. If I've already emerged, and I can see myself, I can look upon myself. I'm able to be seen, and I'm able to see. I don't now need to be exiled. I don't now need to be removed and go into exile to find those parts of myself those disjointed pieces. They're not lying elsewhere. The way the Rebbe is reading this, so he'll say this in the next sentence, All of exile is merely there for those, for, for the times when we are not present, when we are not yet here. Like the Rebbe said before, so long as I am not present, I need to travel the world to, to find all those parts of myself, those disjointed nitzotzot. That is my life experience. If I can be here, those new totals are here with me. And I don't need Kalut anymore. Therefore, this is how the Rebbe is reading this. person needs to see herself, himself. Right? Am I here? Then the rest of the Pasuk. And then, it's as if you can see yourself, it's as if you've already left Egypt. Because you don't need to be in exile anymore. You mamash don't need it anymore. You've reached the place where exile is there to bring you to. And now, yes, there's still parts of yourself that are michulak, that are disjointed, that are divided. We're not complete. But I'm now in a state of being able to see them and receive them and for those parts to be seen and received and welcomed and contribute to my emerging wholeness. Because that's what happened when they left Mitzrayim. That is how they left Mitzrayim. 
They saw themselves. They were seen again. That is how they left Mitzrayim. So how am I going to get... It, it, you see how both shots work at the same time? The normal pshat, conventional pshat, see yourself as if you left Egypt. Well, the, the only way to do that is to see yourself and and engage in your redemption. Then it's kili at some time. If I may, I just want to speak out just one more angle on this that that for me is very um, close to home and and relevant to my own experience. Um, remember who it was who wasn't being seen and who then began to be seen as the children the babies mamish babies the one of the basic needs of an infant is to be seen you know, continued research supports this on and on. I don't need to reference it. That that our survival base is based much more on being nurtured than anything else. Nurtured and cared for. And and our dysfunctionality emerges in many cases from, from the, the gaps in our nurturing. For me, this avodah of seeing myself is a act of nurturing myself. From infancy through childhood, what what uh, some call spiritual reparenting. I tell my kids every year at the Seder, you know who the most important people in this story are, right? You know who Paro was the most afraid of, right? The kids! <laughs> and you know who takes center stage at Lel HaSeder, right? Children! It's, do you see it all? He got it to the The Torah is telling us a child's going to read the story and ask a question. Now, sometimes that means a young person. But do you see how deep this is? We encounter the story and, hey, I want to be redeemed too. The child asks a question. Our children, our, the, child, the children who be, continue to live within us, are awakened by the story and say, Hey, what about me? You know the four questions? They're called the Arba Kashiot. <laughs> the four Kashias. So, what is this? What about me? I also want to be part of that story. And part of what we're engaging in that night by telling the story. I mean, the Rambam says, Tell your child, Aviv tells the son. Okay, if there's no child, you tell the spouse. If there's no spouse, you tell the friend. If you're by yourself, you ask yourself the question and you tell yourself the story. Haraya! The children aren't these other little people walking around. When your own child asks that question, Mazot. What is this? Yeah? Our children come to the table. Our children are there to be redeemed. Our children who were not seen by the exiled forces and experiences in our lives, who are yearning to see ourselves and be seen, 
This is what this story is telling us. This is what the experience of Lilith Seder is inviting us into. Honestly, if you if if you have the bracha of having a, a young kid with you at the table, so that's a great way to also let yourself get more childlike. It, it works the other way around. People think like, oh, we need to make the Seder kid-friendly. No, the kids make the Seder appropriate. The kids make the Seder, allow you to experience the Seder if, if, it, if it can work. Right? To redeem our children. And, and, and I just, this Pasuk, there's, there's a Pasuk we didn't read here. I'm going to read it from the Tanakh that just every single time I think of it blows my mind. Because we read the whole story until now, the parts we've read. And Moshe and Hashem at the snow, they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Don't, I can't go, etc. They're not going to believe me. Look, 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 look what, what Hashem tells Moshe. Hashem tells Moshe, I'm going to lift them up, I'm going to take them to the land, etc. And I know that he's, the king there is not going to let you go, so I'm going to send them out and give them makot. V'natati etchein mitzvah. This is like mamash at the get-go. At the sne already God is saying this. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to give the chen of this people um, in the eyes of the Mitzrim. The Mitzrim are going to start to see them with this sort of beloved chen all of a sudden. And you know what? When they leave, you're not going to go empty-handed. Which, by the way, also, the chagim, don't come to my, see my face, they come. But look at this. Each woman is going to ask her um, neighbor for um, gold and silver and, 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 and clothing. And you're going to put those jewels and clothing on your sons and on your daughters. And that's, then you're going to you can empty it out. The, the, the vision of marching out of Egypt that God is planning from the get-go and communicating Moses, your children are going to be dressed in gold and silver and robes of royal garments. Dancing out of Egypt. The image I have in my mind is like parents with their kids on their shoulders like bedecked in jewels. But but Why? Because these, these children are the crowning jewel of the process. The child who can emerge from having been suppressed and attacked and neglected, exiled, who the whole process where it's leading is that that's, those children are going to come out beautiful and magnificent, decked in jewels. With crowns on their heads. So to bring this back to our uh, Vodan, I'm looking at your watch. Here. To bring this back to bring this back to yeah to bring this back to our Vodan. I really believe, and I believe this because this is how I experience it. I really believe that our Vodan, what, what the Rebbe is called Vistaklut, which we've seen, um, what, we, what, we, what we practice in our own um, inner work, 
Maybe one of the most basic fundamental activities that I'm engaging in is an act of self-nurturing, an act of seeing myself. Seeing the beautiful parts that, that emerge and when the kind of painful parts or, or distracting parts emerge, to also see them. And see them, and see them, and see them. And, and just to approach the inward um, orientation and the inner awareness with this basic sense of, I'm seeing you. To let myself sit and soak in the feeling of, I'm being seen. It's a, it's, that is a gift we can give ourselves. A gift we can give ourselves. It's liberating and it's redemptive. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Cohn. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.